following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers, episode 10. I'm Josh Dunn, joined tonight by the one and only Dan Bauer. Dan, Sunday evening, this will be coming out on Monday the 8th. How's your night going so far? Today's going great. Got to sit around all weekend and watch a lot of football. A little under the weather, but hey, you know, it's playoff time. You got to fight through it. Yeah, we made our predictions on Friday's show for this weekend, and I think there were some surprises for everybody. No one got any, everything right. I know that. Uh, I think I was two for four on my predictions. Um, let's start when the playoffs started on Saturday, so yesterday here, uh, as far as that's concerned. And uh, a big comeback win for the Titans over Kansas City. They end up winning 22-21 to after being down 21-3 to at halftime. What did you see out of this game? Obviously, Mariota having a, bit, Mariota having a big second half. Uh, was this as much of a surprise to you as it was to me? Yeah, I mean, I think all three of us said that we thought Kansas City would win pretty handily. So 0 for 1 for the Leftovers crew on that one. The lesson learned, I think, on this one is, and you almost saw it uh, in the Panthers-Saints game here, is you just can't let teams hang around in playoff time. If you're up, if you got a lead, you have to just bury somebody. Um, you know, Luckily, the Saints were able to pull out a win, at least luckily for our predictions, but Kansas City not so much, so... Can't let a team hang around. Uh, the the interesting part was just the lack of a run game in the second half from Kansas City. You know, I don't know why you don't give Cream Hunt the ball more and to just absolutely try to ice that game. So I don't know about you. Those are my thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It was definitely a surprise. Um, I thought this game would be a little bit closer than the spread suggested, but you know, they they really put. Derrick Henry in a, a feature role back in this game after obviously DeMarco Murray getting hurt and having to sit out. Um, you know, this was really the first time this season he's really, other than, you know, week 17 uh, against the Jaguars, but they really, like I said, featured him in the second half of this game. And uh, Mariota obviously overcame a pretty terrible first half where he made a lot of poor decisions. There seemed to be some frustration on the sidelines with guys like Delaney Walker and company. Uh, so I was impressed with Mariota in the second half because I've been, a little critical of him this year just because of his inconsistencies. And, uh, you know, I didn't expect the Titans to be able to come in in the playoffs when they really had an up and down year and knock off, uh, you know, a more seasoned Alex Smith and company. So definitely surprising. Um, how much do you think Travis Kelsey going down and, and with a concussion affected them in the second half? Because Tyreek Hill had a few drops, uh, but obviously Kelsey being their featured receiver, um, do you think that had a big impact on the game in the second half, or do you think it was more with what Tennessee ended up doing to overcome that deficit? So to me, I think the bigger, you know, the, the things that really stand out in my mind is the is that just absolutely terrible call uh, not given – Kansas City, the fumble return that would have been a touchdown, uh, saying that Mariota's progress, forward progress had been stopped, even though he was flat-footed in the pocket. Um, to be able to 
to pull that fumble away was huge. You know, obviously their offense was completely out of sync that entire second half. I mean, we mentioned only um, an absolutely minimal running game, only 11 carries the whole night for Kareem Hunt. Uh, and once Kelsey went down, you just didn't have any playmakers, and Alex Smith is not going to be a guy who's going to be able to put a team on his back. I think we've seen that you know, time and time again. Uh, he's not going to be able to do it. So those were the things that really stood out to me. Yeah, and in the playoffs like this, especially wild card round, it's, it's amazing to me how much one game can completely change the way the media uh, kind of spins a story. So, you know, Mike Malarkey was being talked about as if he did, if he loses this game, that he very well could potentially be fired with Josh McDaniel, you know, being a coaching candidate that they were talking about bringing in. Now all of a sudden Malarkey's playing against the Patriots for an opportunity to go to, you know, the AFC Championship and Kansas City you're hearing rumblings that Alex Smith might not return to be their quarterback next season after he played pretty solid in this game. So uh, I don't know how high they are on Patrick Mahomes and how much to make of those stories at this point, but it's definitely interesting to me, you know, how much one game can change the trajectory of a franchise for a team. And uh, I agree with you when they go away from the run game after losing one of their top targets in the in the second half, uh, it's just a bit baffling to me. Yeah. The, the fact that uh, so we'll move on. I was going to say, the fact that Malarkey is sticking around after this game is absurd to me. Ownership is giving him another year, which he shouldn't have even won a game outside of the freak Marcus Mariota catches his own pass for a touchdown. We already mentioned that really poor uh, fumble call late in the second half. Just a really bad game plan by the Chiefs and Andy Reid. So, to me, it's just bad ownership to let him sit around. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting when you have a story like that hanging over your head when you're going to coach a playoff game, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, you never know. They could lose this next game and uh, you know, they, they open that conversation back up, but yeah, I agree with you. It's not news that you want to let out, but also, you know, does he really, does he really deserve to be their coach? You know, it's an argument that, that uh, people are having for sure. On the NFC side in the Saturday game, it was uh, another road team. So both Saturday games had the road team with uh, coming out with a win and both Sunday games, the opposite, but Atlanta pulls out a big win in LA uh, and opening at 26. 26- 13. The Rams just couldn't get the offense going in this game. Another somewhat of a surprise. I know Anshu was very high on LA, and I liked them as well, but I had it a little closer. What were your thoughts on the way this one shaped out? So, I mean, if you if you remember right, I picked them uh, to to come away with the victory, so I was not surprised with Atlanta getting that win. LA just could not get anything going, so I was not surprised. I thought Atlanta was going to come out. Again, the LA team is young, absolutely no playoff experience. Um, you know, you're a very young quarterback. So it played out exactly how I thought it would. Yeah, I think the Rams are a year away. Um, you know, I, I thought that their offense would be enough, and I, I was very impressed with Atlanta's defense. I didn't think that their defense would be able to hold this high-powered Rams offense in check, and they did just that. Uh, Gurley was limited to 14 carries. He was productive with those 14 carries, but he ended up with 101 yards, and I, I thought they would give him a little bit more of a workload, but I guess when you're playing from behind as much as they had to, uh, they had to kind of go away from the run. So uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm surprised Atlanta won. I, you know, it, the Stars came out to play in this game. Julio Jones had a big game with nine catches and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Freeman did well both on the ground and through the air. So, uh, you know, when you have your, your workhorses playing as well as Atlanta did, uh, you're bound to score some points. And that defense, like I said, was just a huge, uh, you know, huge surprise in my opinion. I thought that this was going to be a shootout, and I thought the Rams would come out on top. But uh, – it was an entertaining game for the first half, and then it just kind of became boring after that for the second half, for lack of a better word. 
Um, so, yeah, if we move back to the AFC for today's game, talking about boring, um, wow, this Jacksonville-Buffalo game was a – it was one of the most terrible playoff football games I've ever seen. What, what did you make of this? I mean, it was 3-3 three to three going into halftime. There was only really one good offensive drive the whole game. Were you surprised at all by this, or were you expecting it to be a defensive struggle? I don't think anybody expected it to be as much of a defensive struggle as it was. You said boring. I think that is the understatement of the century. I mean, it was a struggle to sit there and watch that game. Uh, I'm pretty sure I took a little Sunday nap partway through this thing uh, just because there was nothing going on. Um, I I expected to be close. I know I said I thought Buffalo would upset uh, Jacksonville. Obviously, that didn't happen, so I'm wrong on that prediction. But it, it was definitely kind of down to the wire. You know, Tyrod's driving at the end. If he doesn't get hurt, who knows? They may end up tying this game and going to overtime, and anything can happen there. So absolutely an atrocious game. If this was a Sunday in the regular season, I don't think anybody in their right mind would would stick on it. So not a great look for the NFL. Not exactly an exciting uh, thing to put out there uh, in a playoff scenario. But, uh, you know, Jacksonville comes away. Uh, You know, Anshu, shout out to you for, for picking that right. I know you did too, Josh. Yeah, I think one of the biggest surprises in this one was how poorly Tyrod Taylor played. Not just Tyrod Taylor, but Portals had a pretty bad game other than that one drive. Um, it, it, he had one drive toward the end of the first half where he had a few big runs. And then that one drive in the second half where they get the fourth down conversion in the back of the end zone uh, that ended up being the only touchdown scored all day. But, yeah, Tyrod Taylor finishing 17 of 37 uh, with an interception. I saw after the game some Buffalo Mafia, Bills Mafia – Folks were burning his jersey. Um, but when you have Nathan Peterman coming into the game, you know, it, 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 it's just a really bad situation quarterback-wise. Obviously, LaShawn McCoy wasn't fully healthy. He had a decent, decently productive game. But, yeah, just a just a snooze fest and a defensive struggle. But it'll be interesting to see if Jacksonville can turn some offense on next week because that one was brutal to watch. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought they'd win it, but I didn't think it would be this bad of a game. Uh, but, again, the the – the kind of bookends of the weekend ended up being the exciting games of the weekend. Uh, and another comeback with uh, New Orleans hosting Carolina. Uh, Carolina made a pretty darn good push toward the end of this game to make it close. But at the end, uh, the Saints were able to hold on for the 31-26 win. Uh, I think, uh, did we have this one right across the board? We did. So, yeah, I mean, all of us had the Saints here. But uh, still, a, a very close game at the end. Um, Camden kind of and company, uh, you know, getting things going toward the end to make it close. But uh, anything here, jump out at you. Obviously, uh, Michael Thomas with a big game with 131 yards, and Drew Brees with a big game through the air with that 376 yards passing. Yeah. So the biggest thing was just the Saints' inability to get a run game going for a team, and you know, both both their running backs thousand yard rushers, if I'm not mistaken, correct this year. And Camara uh, had a thousand total yards, but uh, not not just on the ground. Gotcha. So, I mean, either way, could not get anything going. I think that was the biggest surprise to me is that the Saints, you know, inability to, to get a run game going. You know, Drew Brees continues to, to look pretty good. Cam Newton was not helped by his receivers at all. Uh, you know, that one touchdown early in the uh, first quarter gets dropped, and then they missed the field goal right after it. So you got to be frustrated if you're Cam Newton just feeling like he can't get any help. Um, you know, defensively, Carolina didn't play great uh, either. So, you know, if you're Cam Newton, how frustrated are you this this evening sitting at home after you get bounced? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, especially when you're playing against a division rival and when you do as much as he did to bring the team back in this one. Uh, it's tough to see, but I, I kind of blame Carolina. And, and uh, you know, when you, when you get rid of your top receiver and you're left with, you know, a very, very poor receiving core, in my opinion, uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to make life a little bit more difficult on you. Kelvin Benjamin, obviously, going to Buffalo. Uh, hasn't really been as productive as you would think, but he was their main guy in, in Carolina. And when you know when you do that halfway through the season, uh, and you leave your team with Devin Funches as your number one option, uh, you're going to struggle, in my opinion. But like I said, Cam Newton with a great game. I'm sure he is frustrated. You know, he's a he's a fierce competitor. But uh, I think that New Orleans is the better team, and I think New Orleans had the most opportunity to move on after Carolina had a really rough start to this year and, and finished strong to make the playoffs. But uh, I think the right team won in this situation, which you don't always see like with Tennessee and uh, Kansas City. But we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely preview uh, the games to come next weekend. Um, obviously some big ones. So Tennessee will go to New England. Jacksonville will be playing Pittsburgh. Uh, I believe New Orleans is in Minnesota. And um, Atlanta will be uh, – We'll be going to Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, we'll definitely keep you guys in the loop and up speed and get to our predictions that we get further on into the week. But there is one game tomorrow in uh, college football uh, playoff. The final is uh, Alabama versus Georgia. These two teams both coming from the SEC. A lot of people are frustrated with that there are two SEC teams playing for the national championship, one of which didn't even play in their conference championship in Alabama. Um, but the only common denominator, really, between these two teams that didn't face each other this season is they both ended up losing to Auburn during the regular season. So what do you make of this game? I don't you know, Alabama's getting the most dollars from a betting perspective as far as Vegas goes, but uh, what are your thoughts on Alabama, Georgia? So I think this one is going to be an extremely low scoring game. I think you're going to have a, an absolute battle. You know, I think this is going to be one of those 13 to seven, 10 to seven games. So you have Alabama number one rush defense uh, in college football this year at 2.7 yards a rush. You have obviously two uh, two early round draft picks and Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle for the Georgia Bulldogs running the ball. You know, again, we a couple of thousand yard uh, rushers on the year for those guys. So um, should be an absolutely fun game to watch of of whether that Alabama rush D can you know deal with a two headed monster that is the Bulldog running attack. So it should be a fun one. Um, like I said, I think it's a 13-7, 10-7 game. I think Alabama comes out on top. You know, I think we've all learned you can no longer bet against Nick Saban, uh, and I think it, it's just silly money to to bet against him. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun game. I agree. I think it will be a defensive struggle, and you know the the over under on this one's forty five and a half right now. So I think a lot of money is going to be put on the under on that. Uh, but the, the the thing I will say is these two quarterbacks do not make a ton of mistakes. Jalen Hurts only had one interception on the year. Uh, Jacob Fromm only had five. So uh, these two quarterbacks, even though Fromm is very young and Hurts uh, obviously still pretty young after we've, we've, we've been hearing his name for a while. Uh, so I think that the ground attack is going to come into play in a big way in this game. Nick Chubb uh, for Georgia, I expect to have a big game, uh, but it's, it's difficult with it to pick against Alabama, like you said, but, they are a four-point favorite, but I do have Georgia in this game. I think that uh, the Bulldogs have kind of figured things out at the right time. Uh, they struggled early on in the year a little bit, um, you know, barely eking one out against Notre Dame. And 
you know, we all know what, what happened with them against Auburn with a big blowout, 40 to 17 loss. But I do think that this Georgia team has enough. And I, I just think Alabama played such a cake schedule this year. They were only six, six and seven this season against the spread where Georgia was 10 and four. Uh, I, obviously they're a four point dog here, but uh, I really do like the underdog in Georgia. And I think they're going to pull out a win. Um, like you said, it's very tough to bet against Alabama and Nick Saban. But um, if I had to, put money on this game i would definitely be taking georgia and the under um we'll see how it shakes out like you said i think it's going to be a fun game to watch i hope it's not as much of a defensive struggle as i anticipate that it's going to be uh but i think georgia pulls this one out in a a three-point game i didn't realize the over under was that high i think that's an absurd absolutely absurd line yeah it's a lot higher than i expected but uh you know you know in in, uh, national championship games a lot of times there's there's there is a lot of scoring but We'll see. We'll see what happens, how this shakes out. But like I said, we're on the opposite side of this one. Um, so one of us has got to be right. <laughs> Nothing else. Uh, so let's let's move on. We got through the NFL playoff uh, push for the weekend. Uh, I know you have something that you wanted to throw in the microwave. Uh, why don't you set this up, and then I'll start the clock for you. All right. Don't forget to ding me when, when my time's up. Uh, but the, the thing I wanted to throw in the microwave is you know, obviously – if you're paying a little bit of attention to some of the Cleveland Browns misery, you know that the Browns fans held an 0-16 parade, uh, perfect season parade, as it was dubbed, here in Cleveland over the weekend. Uh, I wanted to attend, but I could not find a single person who wanted to brave the, and I'm not making this up, the negative 16-degree temperatures for the 0-16 parade uh, to, <laughs> to go out for it. But the problem that I have with it is a couple of the players – uh, primarily Emmanuel Agba, Christian Kirksey, and Danny Shelton, uh, with Agba being the one who really sparked a big Twitter beef, saying that you're not a real fan if you're at the 0-16 parade because you're not supporting the team, uh, and basically just told people that um, you know he'll remember it when they're actually winning. And I think it's just an absolutely absurd take. Um, and so if you want to throw some time on the microwave, I will, I will give my response. Yeah, you're uh, you're good to go, my friend. So you've got 90 seconds. Uh, the floor is yours. So to say that anybody is not a true fan of the Browns throughout that parade is is just asinine. If you are a fan of this team, you know one one win in the past two seasons, uh, four wins. Uh, it were four four and forty uh, in the last 44 or something absurd like that. Any you know, and that stadium is filled all the time. You know, Josh, you know this of how diehard myself and a lot of our friends. You go to these games year in and year out. You support the team from the time you're born. I mean, every kid in Cleveland has a picture of them in a Cleveland Browns onesie. You sit there, you grow up with your families, your friends. You watch these games every year. I don't think it's a player has any right to sit there and say that you're not a true fan because you want to go out in that parade. I mean, that parade was the real-life version of every Sunday when we just – you know, laugh instead of cry uh, when you're watching our team just win and lose another football game. Um, and that was the kind of encapsulation of it. It was the only – there was nothing left to do. I mean, uh, trying to get the attention of ownership some way, somehow. Uh, and finally it was just, you know, we're going to take light. We're going we're gonna, to, you know, at least get together and try to have some fun out of this season where we just got, you know, absolutely pounded game in and get game out. So – Anybody who's going to sit there and say you're not a true fan, uh, I want to have some serious words with. Yeah, I, I it's it's I get why you know those players came out and said it, uh, but it is it is interesting after after you 
really have any say on what your fans do. Uh, it, it, obviously, it, it's it's just a funny thing that uh, the fans are trying to to set up. But yeah, I I, I get it. But come on, <laughs> put put a better product on the field, uh, and and you won't you won't ever see something like that. So yeah, I get your side as well. But uh, tough year for for Cleveland Browns fans. But uh, like you said, you're kind of you're kind of used to it at this point. Um, so it is what it is, my friend. Well, we have Oh By The Ways before we call it a night. Did you have anything that you wanted to uh, throw in there for Oh By The Way other than your little Cleveland Browns rant? No, just uh, real quick, and we mentioned this in an early show, and I still just think it's an interesting uh, thing to look at, is uh, Ryan Thibodeau has a Hall of Fame tracker on there. Um, and just, you know, some kind of interesting notes uh, from that right now. It looks like Johnny Damon is not going to get enough votes to even be on a ballot ever again, which... You know, I don't think Johnny Damon's ever a probably not a Hall of Famer, but the fact that he's getting he's only at 1.2 percentage points of the votes that are in so far, you need five to at least remain on the ballot. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, still what we talked about before, a lot of those guys with you know steroid and other issues are still under you know Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling um, under the mark to get in. So pretty interesting. Uh, if anybody is interested in that, uh, the Twitter accounts is at not Mr Tibbs. Um, T-I-B-B-S. So check it out if uh, if you're a big baseball nerd. Yeah, and so for mine, uh, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle calls out ESPN for publishing some comments that LeVar, made, LeVar Ball made about uh, Coach Luke Walton, said the players don't want to play for him. Uh, and obviously ESPN has, has really given LeVar Ball a platform, and Rick Carlisle says that ESPN is essentially a disgrace for uh, for giving him the platform and allowing him and, and those comments to be uh, out there in the open. So, you know, I, I love the fact that somebody's calling them out for this because I've been opposed to it all season. I, I, don't, I don't get why, you know, LeVar Ball is getting all of this attention and he's, every other week you see him on one of the shows being interviewed on ESPN. Just allow this his son, allow Lonzo to, to be a player. And, and I don't understand why. Uh, LeVar Ball is getting all the attention he he has been. Uh, Rick Carlisle, obviously, had a terrible year so far for the Mavericks, but it was nice to see. I do like Rick Carlisle, so it was nice to see him come out and take a stance on this as, uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with him. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm sick of this whole LeVar Ball parading uh, through the media every other day. So that was all I had. Um, anything else that you wanted to throw out there before we call it a night? Uh, let our listeners get back to their Monday. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think we had a good show for him. Happy Monday to all of our fans out there. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening and uh, continue to spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate everything you guys do. Yeah, rate us, subscribe, give us five stars if you would. Uh, we we really do appreciate the listenership. So for Dan Bauer, I'm Josh Dunn. It's been the leftovers. We're it, we're at ten, folks. Keep uh, keep listening. We'll keep producing. We'll see you next time.